Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Peace and blessings uh, to everyone that's uh, with us for our Truth Zone Bible study. Uh, thank you to everyone that's here on site and to those of you who are joining us on our conference call. Uh, we are experiencing here in Florence, South Carolina, what seems to be a severe thunderstorm. Uh, so hopefully the power won't, won't go out. Um, I want you to know that for those of you who are out of state in South Carolina and may not be experiencing the same weather that we are, so if there's a disconnect, just try to log back in if the power uh, do indeed go out. But again, thanks for thanks to everyone that's here, and uh, <clears throat> we're going to get into our lesson. Let's, let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you for how you've kept us and blessed us, protected and provided for us. Thank you for bringing us through the day and to this very moment to give your name all the glory, honor, and praise. And now, Lord, we ask your guidance, we ask your spirit to lead us. We ask you to open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our minds to comprehend, and our hearts to receive what it is that your spirit will say unto us, your church. Before that, we'll give your name all the praise, honor, and glory, which is due unto thy most holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. I, uh, we're going to get right on in, into the lesson. Um, <clears throat> before we do, though, I want to make a, an announcement just to the uh, audiences that, that are here and, uh, online, um, especially those of you who have been with us for a while uh, on Truth Zone. Uh, we've been evolving, growing and evolving. Uh, actually, since we started this Bible class, Growing in uh, in both in number and in influence, I, I should 
and uh, of course, after much prayer and reflection and, and uh, counsel, um, we, we made the decision to evolve into what many mean for a local church. So on September 13th, we'll have our first Sunday morning service, September 13th in Lawrence, South Carolina. The address is, I believe it's 1719 South Urban Street. And, of course, we'll have more information uh, out there for you. But that's what we'll be doing um, September 13th. We'll be going into a full uh, local ministry if you, if you uh, I, I don't really like the term just local ministry because our influence is not just local. Um, actually, Jesus tells disciples to go into all the world. Uh, Dr. Kelly Bonner had a term I, I like to use. He said global, uh, which is a combination of the term global and local. So he's prophetic, very prophetic and apostolic. And so I'm going to borrow that term from him. Global ministry will be launching here in, in the few weeks. All right, we're going to get into the lesson today, and this lesson, um, I want it to be more, of course, everything we do and say should be biblical-based, but I want to divest myself of my own opinions, divest myself of my own views and feelings, um, and just, just look at what the Bible says about this issue. What we're going to be talking about is salvation, really, salvation. Um, how do you know you're saved? How do I know I'm saved? What does the Bible say about salvation? Who's saved? Who's not? All of those questions that uh, I'm going to attempt to address tonight. And, again, I want the Bible to be our first and final basis of authority, not just what I say, not just what I believe, but what the Bible says. Of course, being human, we have to... Uh, and we can't help our own experience. We can't help what we've been through. We can't help what we've experienced. Uh, we can't help what our parents were, where we live, things of that nature. Uh, but I, I do want us to just take a look at what the Bible says about some things that for those of us who've been in the church at any length of time, sometimes I think we take these things for granted and we think everybody knows as we know. Or we can really... Um, get to the place that we think we know it all. Paul did say, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, knowledge puffeth up. And that is very true. Sometimes we think we know little things, and then we just think we know all about everything. None of that is true. So that's what we're going to discuss today. Um, salvation, who saves. And I was trying to think of a good scripture just start on. Um, I tell you what, here's a scripture I kind of like. It's in Luke, Luke chapter 18 and verse 36. Luke chapter 18, verse 36. We'll start there. We'll just use that as a launch. We won't stay there because of. All right, Luke 18, verse 26. And here's what it says. Well, let's go back to verse 25. Luke 18, verse 25 and verse 26. Verse 25, Jesus said, For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for, a rich, than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 26, And they that heard it said, Who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? And that's my question today. Who then can be saved? When you really listen to a lot of people, a lot of preachers, a lot of scholars, and uh, look at all of the, the divisions that's in the church, all of the different little opinions and doctrines that's in the church, my question sometimes really is, who then can be saved? When you get finished listening to preachers say who ain't saved, who ain't going to heaven, who going to hell, I mean, by the time they get through their list, my question is just like these, these people, who can be saved? Who can be saved? And uh, that can be a very serious question to us. And for me, in my younger years, it became a very depressing and a haunting question. It caused me to live in fear. Because, again, by the time you, 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 you go to everybody's list, you can't be saved, you can't do this, you 
can't wear that, can't go here, can't go there. Wow. Then who can be saved? So I want to deal with uh, that question. Who can be saved? Who can be saved? And just to kind of jump off of that question, let me answer it this way. How God will answer. Who can be saved? Because sometimes when you get finished with our list about who can be saved, nobody can be saved. But if you go to Second Peter chapter three, Second Peter chapter three, we're going to look at verse nine. Second Peter three and nine says this. The Lord is not slight concerning his promises, as some men count slightness, but is long suffering the Lord is long suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, not willing that anybody should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let's think about that for a moment. God is not willing that nobody perish, let no one be unsaved. That's not God's idea that someone would not be unsaved. He, but he, he's, he's willing that none should perish, but he wants all to come to repentance. He wants all of humanity to come to a change of mind, okay, and a change of heart, a change of mind and a change of heart. That's what God wants. God gets no pleasure in those who are not saved. He gets no pleasure for those who who don't come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so it bothers me when we can preach hell and damnation so strong and so spirited and shout about it. I heard one man of God say years ago, that if you're going to preach on hell, you should preach hell with, the, with tears in the eyes because that's, God did not make us to go to hell, okay? But again, we're so quick now to just want to send everybody to hell who don't agree with us, you know, want to condemn everybody who go to a different church than us or explain the passage differently, you know. But God, according to the Scripture, is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. So that's God's idea. That's God's idea. So God is not in the quote unquote in the sky waiting on somebody to be saved, waiting on them to die, give give them a disease if he can send them to hell. That's not God's purpose, it's not his plan. Okay? All right. So let's get into it. I just kinda of want to use that as a as a foundation to get God's opinion and God's view on this. He's not, he doesn't want people to be unsafe. Okay. Now, let's look at what it is in salvation. Now, the word salvation comes from the Greek word soterio, which means, which means deliverance. <clears throat> Complete deliverance. Preservation. Uh, from, from, and, and deliverance from immediate danger. Spirit, soul, and body. Deliver, not just your spirit. And that's another good place to start. Go to Second Corinthians chapter one. Second Corinthians chapter one. We're going to use quite a bit of scripture tonight because I, I want the Bible to really uh, explain this. Because sometimes, I, personally, I think that we do a disservice. If someone asks us a question about being saved and we go to one passage of Scripture, especially those of us, I grew up in, quote-unquote, an apostolic reformation. And I would go to Scripture for everything. It was Acts 238. That was just it. You used to look at folk telling them they're not saved and, and then take them to Acts 238, repent, be baptized, everyone be in the name of Jesus for the mystery of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But you've got to explain that. What does that mean? What does repent mean? We don't use those 
those terms anymore. Not in our everyday language. What does repent mean? Okay, and then we say baptize. Some people say, well, I've been baptized. And, of course, we've got the whole argument about in the name of Jesus, which I'm going to try not to touch tonight. All right? But go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and let's look at, This is Corinthians, right? Um, you can just want to go inside. Corinthians chapter one, verse yeah, I'll see you. Verse ten. Yeah, first Corinthians chapter second Corinthians, excuse me, chapter one, verse ten. Here's what it says. Who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. So, who delivered us from so great a death? That's one deliverance. Or one part of salvation. And doth or doeth deliver, that's the second part of salvation, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. That's the third part of salvation. In other words, here in this passage, we see three dimensions to salvation. We see uh, spiritual salvation, your spirit being saved, your spirit man, who has delivered us from the greater death, your soulish man, which is your mind, your will, and your emotion, who is in a process that what doeth, in the old King James English, means the process of delivering us. And our physical salvation uh, yet will be delivered. So we are free from the very power of sin, the power of sin, okay, uh, that's in our spirit man. We are being free from the effects of sin, that's in our soulish realm, and then we will be free one day from the very presence of sin. That's the culmination of all age when God shall purge and make a new heaven and a new earth. Okay? So there's three dimensions to uh, salvation because the three parts are being spirit, soul, and body. You've heard that before. We are a spirit, uh, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Okay? Now, how do we get saved? How do we get saved? Why do we need to be saved is, is the question before we get saved. Why do we need to be saved? We need to be saved because all of mankind, all of mankind was born into sin. We do know that. All of mankind was born into sin. So sin is not just something you do. Sin was your state of being. It's, it's, it's who you were. With Adam being the first uh, created man, when he sinned, he caused the whole human race to become sinners. Everybody that was born through him became sinners because of what he, he's done. You will see that in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 5, over and over. Um, and, and we'll we'll get to that. Uh, and some people call this, especially in a lot of evangelical circles, where they explain salvation to people. They use what's called the Roman road to salvation, because there are so many scriptures in Romans um, that kind of explain things, which I'm explaining now. Romans chapter three, verse twenty-three. I'll stop for those of you who are turning or writing. Romans uh, chapter three, verse twenty-three. And we'll try to stay in Romans for a few minutes. Chapter 3, verse 23 says this For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Sometimes when preachers are preaching, they preach with the perception that y'all have sinned. All of us, all humans, have sinned and came short of the glory of God. We, we don't meet God. We could not, cannot meet God's standard. We fell from uh, how he intended for us to live on this earth. Okay? So sin is not just stealing, cursing, drinking, doing drugs, gambling, fornication, and adultery. 
So those are symptoms of sin. Sin is a state of being. Okay? Because you got some folks that are just, you know, nice people, like me myself. I'm very nice, I think. You know, I don't go around getting folks, cursing folk out. I don't drink. I don't smoke. But just because I don't do those things don't necessarily mean I'm saved. If I don't and have not accepted Jesus Christ and have submitted to his lordship. Do you understand? I hope you understand what I'm saying. Uh, so all have sinned, according to the scripture. All have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. I hope you see that. And when you go to Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. And here's what it says. The wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. The payment for sin is death. Notice Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the payment for sin is death. Remember when God said in Genesis chapter 3, he told man, he says, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the emphasis should not be on the tree or the fruit, he did what God said not to do. He, he, he uh, transgressed God's law. That's the main issue. And when he did what God said not to do, that made him a sinner made him a sinner. And because he was the progenitor of the human race, all other humans became sinners. But remember when God said, the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's the day that you're going to die. That's the day that you're going to be estranged from me, separated from me. And in Hebrew, that term is rendered, dying, you shall die. Dying, you shall die. So death entered into the whole created order when Adam sinned. It didn't just affect Adam and Eve. It affected the whole created order. It affected everything in this earth realm that God had created. And everything began to die. Everything began to die. But man had to pay for his sin according to God. He said, the day you eat, that's the day you're going to die. Okay, but in God's love and mercy, he had a plan. He had a plan. So instead of Adam being forever and humanity being forever separated from God, forever estranged from God, God devised a plan, sacrifice. Okay? And that plan started again in Genesis chapter three when, when God gave his prophecy that the seed of the woman shall breathe, bruise the serpent's head. And that's the prophecy of salvation. That's the prophecy of Jesus Christ. And so what happened, there began to be depictions of how that's going to be when animals were slayed as sacrifice to be offered before God because sin required a death. And even in, in Genesis chapter 3, we don't see the sacrifice but you do remember reading about coats of skin. Where did that come from? It came from a sacrifice. An animal had to be slain. The blood had to be shed. And that's why the whole system of sacrifice began in the Old Testament. Until the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ himself, is the ultimate payment for sin. Okay? He is the ultimate payment for sin. Every sin has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's worth rejoicing and shouting if we were shouting tonight. But every sin, past, present, future, has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Wonderful. Wonderful. Look at what Romans chapter 5 says. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans 5 and 8 says, But God demonstrates his love toward us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, Jesus died for us. He paid the price for our sin. So I'm going to say this statement, and I'm going to tell you, it's not going to sound right to those of us who are in this background. But 
technically, biblically, technically, everyone is redeemed. Everyone, every human is redeemed. Every human has their sins paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes. That doesn't sound right, so let me hurry up before y'all call me a heretic like y'all did one of my other dear brothers. Problem is, everyone has accepted and embraced Christ as their salvation. That's the problem. Because you must accept and, and, and submit to him. That's where the problem lies. You have to believe in your heart, and you have to say it with your mouth in order for it to be activated in your life so you can get the benefits of salvation working in your life. But technically, oh, yeah, the price is paid for. I like to use this analogy. I use it several times. I use it again. If I had in this Bible class to tell everyone, all right, everyone here, we're going to Red Lobster. All right. Uh, we have a few people here in Florence in the building, and uh, we've got several people from our organization that's on our call. And so in your city, if you have a Red Lobster, I'm going to pay for your dinner tonight. Just pay for Just go tell them, Tony Black, just pay for my dinner. All right? But you decide not to go. It wasn't that the price for the dinner wasn't paid for. It's just that you didn't accept the invitation. You didn't partake of the benefits that were provided for you. And that's how it is in this world. Remember Jesus said this. This is in John chapter 12. John chapter 12. You can write this down and I'll, I'll, uh, I'm going to quote it. Remember Jesus said this. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me again. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. That's in verse 32 of John chapter 12. Now, when you read verse 33, that verse is not talking about praise and worship. Oh, we were lifted up because he said it. Ah, we lifted up. No, he's talking about verse 33 says, he said this signifying, describing or telling what kind of death he would die. Being lifted up means on the cross. So Jesus is simply saying, if I get on the cross and be lifted up, then I will draw, listen to what he said, not most men, not all kinds of men. He said, I will draw all men unto me. If I can get to the cross, if I become the perfect sacrifice, if I give my life as the perfect sacrifice on behalf of humanity, the next thing that's going to happen is that all men will be drawn unto me. Oh, it's like a, a magnetic pull towards Jesus. That excites me. My God, that excites me. So you think about the hardest sinner you know, the worst one, the, the atheist, the agnostic, the new atheist, people that are so bent on being against Christ and proving that God don't exist, those type of people, they can't help it. They're being pulled towards Jesus Christ. Why? Because he did indeed was lifted up on the cross. He did die as the perfect sacrifice for all mankind. Now, why am I taking time for this? Because one of the things I want to establish is that in being saved, one of the things that we got to get through our heads, especially those of us, my God, in churches like I come from, is that really Jesus Christ did all the work for us to be saved. You ever heard the term, the finished work of Jesus Christ? He's talking about salvation and redemption. He did it all. He did it all. That's why in Hebrews chapter 10, I believe it says, when it says that there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. If we're not going to believe that Jesus Christ paid the price, if we're not going to believe that he did it all, there is nothing else we can do in order to be saved. He did it all. Y'all all right?
Let me look at another scripture in, in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I hope this is making sense. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at around. Verse 5. Ephesians 2, let's start with verse 5. Ephesians 2 and verse 5. Even when we were dead in sin, have quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Go back to verse 5. Remind me that verse we read in Romans 5 and 8. Even when we were dead in sin, while we were dead in sin. Now, when you're dead, you can't do anything, right? Hey, have a nursing here. When the body is deceased, that body ceases to function. Your breathing stops. The heartbeat stops. The, the, the neurons, the neurotransmitters, all of that stops when the body dies. Am I correct? So when you're dead, you can't do nothing. But this scripture wrote in Ephesians 2 and 5 says, when we were dead in sin, he quickened us with Christ. He made us alive, wow, with Christ, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Go to verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Remind me of Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should vote. Now, that means everything to, to, for us to be saved, Jesus Christ did it to us, for us. While we couldn't do anything ourselves, he died. And he and, and, and made us alive. God made us alive in Christ. Yeah. We read Romans. In other words, when, when Jesus died, you died. All of humanity died when Jesus died. And when he rose, all of us rose. And when he was raised to sit together at the right hand of God, this scripture says he raised us up. We were raised up together to be seated with him. That's powerful, y'all. He did all that before all of us were born. All of us in the 21st century, this day, the 25th of August. He did all of this before we were born, before our mothers met our daddies, daddies met our mamas, did what they had to do for us to be here. He did all that for us to be, before we were born. All we have to do is believe it and accept it. I'm talking about salvation. I'm talking about salvation. I hope I'm not losing Anybody, I hope I'm making myself very, very clear. I'm talking about salvation. Okay? While we're in Romans, okay, let's go on to Romans chapter 10. Since we're dealing with Romans, let's go on to Romans chapter 10. When they ask you, someone asks, how do I, quote, unquote, get faith? How do I be faith? How do I know I am faith? All right, Romans chapter 10 is one of the scriptures we, we go to. All right. Excuse me. Some people go to. I had to find out it was in the Bible because some folks told me it wasn't in there. And I'll explain what I was doing in just a moment. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says this. Oh, my. That is thou, excuse me, let me wait till y'all get there so y'all won't think I'm making this up. If you have a Bible, go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. I'll wait. Romans chapter 10. Romans is an epistle written by Saul, excuse me, Saul of Tarsus who later became Paul the Apostle. So it's in the Bible. If you uh, look at the New Testament scriptures, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You have Acts. Right after Acts, it's Romans. I'm trying to establish that it's in the Bible. Okay? It's in the Bible. And when you look at the 10th chapter in the book of Romans, verse 9, it says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, 
and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Let for words thou shalt be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, I read a biblical passage. Now, I see a whole lot of folks that would hear me say that, especially knowing my background, would start shaking their head and pleading the blood that I'm a heretic. I've seen it. I've seen it in my younger days. People refuted that this was even in the Bible. We get in these discussions, who can be saved, and that, and somebody run the Romans, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 238 from my church, or somebody from another church ran the Romans 10, 9. The Bible does not contradict itself that way, dear heart. The Bible does not contradict. So if somebody said he got saved by looking at this verse, they believe it first, and they do what this verse says, uh, believe in their heart and confess with their mouth, can we refute? that the Bible says that they are saved, in order for us to refute that, you have to take that verse of Scripture out. And Jesus said, not one jot or one tittle of my word shall pass. So we can't come through here because we say we keep from the apostolic holy church or whatever church you may say you're from and say that this verse is not in the Bible. You're wrong. You're a heretic for doing that. It's in the Bible. Let me read it again. Go through the Bible. Look at it again. Don't worry about it. I'm going to get to Acts 238. Don't worry. I'm going to get that. But we got to stop saying that this verse is not in the Bible. Lord, I feel the heat. Lord, oh my. All right. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If, if by some, you know, there are still areas of the world that, have, that don't have a Bible. There are still areas of the world, um, I'm not going to say that they haven't heard of Jesus, because I believe Jesus is more than just just not, um, a historical piece. Second Corinthians chapter 5 says that though we knew him after the flesh, now know we him no longer after the flesh. So he's more than just an historical figure now. Right? So, what was I saying? What I said now? He's more than historical people. All right. So I came in the other part I was saying. I guess y'all don't need All right. Second. Yes. 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 So I read, I read Romans. And again, sometimes we think that Romans and Acts of other scriptures are in conflict with each other. And they are not in heart. We just read Romans chapter 10 that says, Thou shalt confess the heart that God is raised from the dead, shall be saved. Okay, let's go to Romans. Excuse me, Acts. Acts chapter 2. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. It's still storming here. It's still light. This so again, if the lights go out, just try to dial back in as well. So far, we've been, we have light. All right, Acts chapter 2. Let me go to verse 38. Do it the way I was praying. Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So if someone asks us, How do I get saved? This is the verse we took them to. And after the Bible, too. Can't take that out. It's in there. All right? It's, it's, it's right in there. This book was written by Luke. It's his second letter. He wrote the book of Luke and he wrote the book of uh, Acts. So you can't take that out of the Bible either. Okay. All I want us to do is just read it. So sometimes in English class, they told us to really get context of the story. Read the whole thing. And so what I want to do is back up a couple of verses so we can get some context to what Peter is saying. Is that fair, at least? Let's back up to verse 37. Now, when they heard this, 
heard what? Okay, I'm, I'm in the Bible. Now when they heard this, Acts 2, verse 37, now when they heard this, they were present. Wait a minute, heard what? You mean tell me you're not going to ask yourself that question? What did they hear to have their heart pricked or to have their heart convicted or to have their heart changed? My question is, what did they hear? When they heard this, heard what? Back up a verse and find out what they heard. Y'all all right? Okay, let's back up to verse 36. Love it. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know certainly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard that, good Lord, I almost feel like really shouting the preaching. I promise you I do. Now, when they heard this, that's when their hearts got convicted. They heard what? That the same Jesus who you crucified, God raised them. Whoa, 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 whoa. That kind of sounds like Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy heart, you believe with thy heart, and confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, that God hath what? Raised Kind of sound like the same message, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So Acts two thirty eight, dear heart, help me say this well. Acts two thirty eight in isolation is not the gospel. I know you don't like it. Acts two thirty eight in isolation from the rest of the Bible is not the gospel. Actually, Acts two thirty six is because it talks about Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And when they heard about him, Peter preached this whole Pentecostal message about Jesus. Let me prove it. Remember, this is the day of Pentecost. It was fully come all with one accord, one place. Came a sound from heaven after rushing by the wind. We got to get to the part by the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. I'm not going to get there tonight, I see. We'll have to do a part two. But listen, when he gets to the verse that says, verse 14, Peter stand up with 11. Lifted up his voice and said, we're not drunk as you suppose. But this is that, which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Then he quotes the Old Testament, Joel, talks about all that. And look at what he says in verse 21. Lord, I'm about to shout. Look at, look at Acts chapter 2, verse 21, and it's also in Joel chapter 2. Look at it. Please, I'm going to wait until you get to Acts chapter 2, verse 21. Acts chapter 2. I am getting too excited in here. Y'all please forgive me. Acts chapter 2, verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, again, that's in your Bible. We cannot take that out. Sounds just like Romans. Can not? Confess with thy mouth, mouth call the Lord Jesus. Whosoever call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible does not contradict itself in heart. Okay? Let me keep me going. Okay, verse 22. This is Peter's message. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. That's who he's talking about this whole, from 22 to verse 35, Peter is talking about Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 24, whom God has raised up. Still talking about Jesus. Verse 25 of Acts chapter 2, for David speaketh concerning him. Him who? Jesus. Then he quotes what the psalm said about Jesus. Verse 29, men and brother, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David. Okay, and who was David talking about when he quotes the psalm? Jesus. Verse 32, this Jesus hath God raised up. Then he gets to verse 36. Let all the house of Israel know. So this whole message of Pentecost wasn't about tongue speaking. Good God Almighty, Lord, they're going to take my license from me. The Pentecostal message was not about tongue speaking. It was about Jesus. 
Peter ain't said nothing about tongues, did it? Peter did not preach tongues in this message. He preached Jesus. And when these people heard about, now the tongues got their attention now. Oh, yeah, the Bible said it probably not even get their attention. It got their attention. But the message was the tongue. The message was Jesus. And when they heard about Jesus, that what changed and pricked their heart. Wow, then what, what, what shall we do? Repent, change your mind. Repent and be baptized. Under authority in name of the same person I've been preaching to, Yeshua, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ. And when you do that, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost as well as this. So the Bible does not contradict itself. So I want to talk about that part, little part. How do we get saved? That, that's how we get saved. It's because of what Jesus has done, not the church we go to. It's because of what Jesus has done, not because of what type of prayer we prayed or didn't pray. It's because of what Jesus has done. And we don't, I'm sorry, and even as a preacher, as a minister, we have to preach more about Jesus. You know why we don't have a real revival in our midst? Because we're not preaching about Jesus. We're not exalting Jesus. We're not amplifying and showing people Jesus. You used the last week. One lesson we did was from Mark chapter 5. Remember, this is a demoniac, the man that had a legion of devils, from anywhere from two to 6,000 devils, demons in him, working in his life. But with all of those devils in him, this boy had his dwelling among the tombs, among dead people. Nobody could do nothing. They were afraid of him. But when Jesus showed up, when Jesus showed up, none of those devils, 6,000 devils could not keep this demoniac from Jesus. You know why we're not getting that type of response today in our churches? Because we're not exalting Jesus. That's why. Oh, we're talking a whole lot about our doctrine and our opinions and what we believe, but we're not exalting Jesus as Lord. If we get back to exalting Jesus as Lord and talking and preaching, Singing about praising, worshiping Jesus, mind you, talking about a revival. When somebody tells you they're saved, but their conversation is not about Jesus, you should question their salvation. If you are in need of salvation, and the people that you are asking about always tell you come to my church, you should question their salvation. Because they should be willing and ready to tell you about our risen Lord and Savior. You mean you have no testimony about what Jesus has done in your life personally? Where is your testimony? Tell me about Jesus. All right. Now, I know I must do this uh, again next week. I should be here when you have time to bring yourself. But the next lesson that maybe I'll try to do is maybe I can do it in 10 minutes. I'll try. It is the correlation of the Holy Spirit and salvation. And sometimes I've heard lessons like the steps to salvation or the steps of salvation. And we give you sequence how a person It is a process, but it's a lifelong process. Right? So the question is asked, can a person be saved and not have the Holy Ghost? Let's look at it. Can a person be saved and not have the Holy Ghost? Let's, let's, let's see what the Bible says about this. Uh I'm looking at scripture in Corinthians. Text Corinthians. I'm sorry. First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve. Let's go there very quickly. First Corinthians chapter twelve. See if you can do this in in uh, a couple of minutes. First Corinthians chapter twelve. We're going to look at verse number three. 
First Corinthians 12, verse 3. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. No man can say that Jesus is Lord. Excuse me, I keep feeling the grunts. I keep feeling the Holy Ghost working on me. Uh, no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Jesus is Lord. Sound like Acts? That God has raised the same Jesus and made him both Lord and Christ. Acts 2.36. Sounds like Romans 10 and 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If thou shalt confess thy mouth the Lord Jesus, Romans 10 9. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 3, no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. What am I saying? What is this text saying? It is the Holy Spirit that convicts you. He all the preaching he wants. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts your heart that what you're hearing is true. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts your mind and illuminates your mind and gives you revelation of who God is, who Jesus is, so you can believe in him. It is the Holy Spirit who does that. No man can say Jesus is Lord but by the Spirit. In other words, it's the Spirit working in you, oh, Lord, before you can suggest salvation. Lord, I was going to get out this in church. Ain't nobody will keep you here. Uh, uh, it is the spirit that's working in you before you confess salvation. Well, that's the same way it was in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. Don't you remember? Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And with all of that darkness, with all of that chaos, the spirit of God moved. Ah, so with all of your sinning, with all of your uh, issues, all, with your unbelieving self, the Spirit was still at work in you, drawing you to the truth of God. No man can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Hey, i got to do this thing. There's another scripture that says in, in the book of Romans, that it is given to every man the measure of faith. Let me get that verse for you so you don't think I'm, I'm lying. I'm going to give you verses. Everybody all right? <laughs> oh, Lord. This is, this is blessing me. Bring blessing me. Uh, it's in Ephesians. That's in Romans. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. In chapter 4, verse 7, talks about these measures of faith. So that's given to every man the measure of faith. And again, we read this first verse 12, 3, that no man can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit working in you. Okay? All right? Now, I'm going to say this. It's going to sound theologically incorrect, but I believe I'm scriptural. And, and reading the scriptures, I know I am. Okay? It is the Holy Spirit in you bringing you to salvation. Remember Jeremiah said that, that uh, with loving kindness have you drawn thee, the cords of love. You understand? It's the Holy Spirit that's been working in you to get you to the point to confess salvation. Right? So when you say that Holy Spirit, that faith still resides in you. Oh. Yes, yes, I believe the Bible is teaching. When you get saved, you have the Holy Spirit, because you cannot get saved without the Holy Spirit. Now, let me hasten to say, there is a difference in having something and being filled with something. There is a difference. Okay? If I had a glass up here and it was half full of water, water is in the glass, but it's not filled with water. You understand? There's a difference in having something and being filled with something. We must go on and grow in God and go and go to and through the experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Amen, amen, amen. I say, I say, I say. There is a difference. Having something and being filled with it. So, yes, it is the Holy Spirit that brings you to salvation. Amen. So it is perfectly fine and right for someone to say, yes, I'm saved, and never spoken to them, but they still say. You can't take that. You definitely don't have the authority to take salvation from somebody. Who do you think you are? You think you're God? You can't take salvation from anybody. You gonna how are you gonna undo? I have people. I'm using myself. I'm using somebody else. You know, go find out you you know do or whatever going on in life. Got married, moved away. Something you going to another church in which was raised. And they all man, they think you ain't saved no more because you going to somebody else's church. That's foolishness, y'all. What happened? When I was eight years old, I was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by my father, who was my pastor, Dr. Roscoe Black. What happened? I got unbaptized. Can you get unbaptized? No, you can't. No, you can't. I'm still saying, I don't care what church I become a member of. Because it's not the name of the church that saves you. We need to stop all that foolishness and things and doctrines that divide the body of Christ and has no biblical merit. You got evangelicals thinking, you know, we wrong because we stress baptism. And we think they wrong because they don't go around running, speaking in tongues, hollering, and spitting. All of us have some growing to do. Yeah, I said it, all of us. It's utterly foolish. The things that's going on in the body of Christ. Jesus, in John 17, says that he would that we be one. And the place that we become one is in him, not in our understanding of different paths. It's in him. Let's find our commonality and grow from there. All right. I know I'm going to have to review this subject again. Uh, I'll do my best to kind of post some scriptures we, we went over tonight uh, <clears throat> online for those of you who, who uh, had questions or concerns about this. Uh, this is not my first time doing this lesson, but I felt really led and prompted to uh, to do it again. But it's exciting. Wow. I, I mean, it's exciting when you can talk about Jesus. It's exciting when you can go to the scriptures and let the word, the Bible, interpret itself instead of us just saying what we heard and repeating things that have no bib- real biblical merit. Okay. I'm going to quote Acts 2. You know, I'm not going to do that. I'll say something. I don't have time. All right. That's all the time for tonight. I pray uh, with sincerity and with, with all the love in my heart that something was said that caused us to be informed, inspired, and empowered by the truth and, and, and love of Jesus Christ. It, it is our endeavor to preach and exemplify truth and love. That's, that's what uh, we're about being at Truth Zone. Um, I'm announced to again this uh, to those of us here and who's uh, with us by uh, our phone conference. We are involved in this Bible class. It started as a Bible class, but now we've been we've led to evolve this into a full local ministry. And so we will have our first Sunday service September 14th in Florence at 11 o'clock, 1719 South Urban Street is our location. Will be our location, 1719 South Urban Street. Um, meet up at 11 o'clock. We don't do anything wrong. We start on time. We, uh, we get our praise and worship, have the word, fellowship, and we go into the house. We don't do anything wrong, but we do invite you to be with us. And we'll give you more information as it comes up and as we go on in this area in this region. God bless you. Love you with the love of Christ. Peace and blessings here upon every piece of every one of you. And uh, we'll see you again. God bless you and uh, good night. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.